Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast for Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and coming up on today's show, my discussion with Jimmy Dore, host of The Jimmy Dore Show. So I was on Jimmy's show yesterday. He was uh, kind enough to invite me on, and we had a a great discussion, a lively discussion at times, a, a lively debate especially around uh, rehashing 2016, which is always fun. <laughs> so even though me and Jimmy agree on a lot of issues, we do have some disagreements in terms of uh, strategy and really what voting is about. I look at voting more as a tool, uh, whereas uh, Jimmy and, and that side of the discussion thinks of voting more as, uh, I guess, pouring your heart and soul into something that you want to truly believe in, which, look, I completely understand. But at the same time, that's how I used to feel about voting, and I feel like I've changed because I'm. I understand now that voting is simply a tool, and you have to build movements between elections to change anything. One election is not going to change anything. I mean, as we saw in 2016, the people that voted for Jill Stein. Look, I'm not going to shame people. You vote for whoever you want, but in terms of what works and what doesn't work, voting Jill Stein didn't do anything. And ultimately, a Trump presidency has led to a rise in hate crimes, has led to two Supreme Court picks by the Republican Party. So, I mean, that alone, I think, is a reason to, in a general election, vote Democrat. That's why the focus always has to be on primaries and always has to be on building movements. At the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, even if a Trump presidency has accelerated political engagement, which 100% it has, and you'll hear me uh, agree with Jimmy on that in, in this discussion. Even though it's accelerated that, that political engagement, you have to ask yourself, is it worth the damage that Trump has caused? And I don't think it is. So some people think it is worth that damage. I don't think it is. I think there's no reason why you can't build political movements in between a uh, establishment Democrat uh presidencies. So there is no reason why, why right now people can't be building this progressive movement during a Hillary Clinton presidency. Now, will there be as much political engagement? Likely not. But again, is it worth the damage Trump has caused? So I think that's what people have to ask themselves. But um, anyways, uh, I think you'll enjoy this discussion. It only got superheated at really one point uh, when Jimmy's co-host Ron um, kind of freaked out. <laughs> but And I, to be fair, I freaked out back. So uh, anyways, I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy this discussion. So uh, here you go. Check it out. All right. Let's uh, so let's introduce our guest. He's here. He's here. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know him. You love him of the very popular and uh, meticulously researched show. It is uh, <laughs> David Dole from the Rational National or the National Rational. What is it? Which way? Rational National. OK. <laughs> Though a lot of people make that mistake. So. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's, I'm a good host. You think I would remember the name of your show that I'm introducing? <laughs> I have, I have it right here too. I have everything written down. This is what this is what I should say. David Dole is a video <laughs> producer, writer, and social media specialist. Oh, oh my that's God. an old bio. Don't use that. <laughs> Based in the Greater Toronto area. Oh, you're in Toronto? Oh, I didn't. Yes, know. I am. He's also the host of the popular independent political YouTube show, The Rational National. Hi, David. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, you were telling me. Hey, Jimmy. I didn't know that. We just did another one of our live shows last Friday in Burbank. We had James Adomian, who is, if you don't know who that guy is, a powerhouse, hilarious, great impressionist. Uh, didn't he do a thing on Comedy Central where he was he played Bernie and somebody? Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm in touch. I don't watch TV, but I knew that. <laughs> Uh, also, we had Paul Gil Martin was unbelievable. He was ne never in better form as re Representative Richard Martin. And Dave Anthony from the Dollop was on, and he was just as angry as ever. So that's good. Um, uh, you were telling us that you actually came to one of our first live Jimmy Dore shows we ever did in Burbank, California, like three years yeah, ago right. or, or two years. Yeah, ago. this was uh, this was 2017. I think it was in April or so, or March or April. Um, me and my girlfriend came down, uh, saw you live. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, we met you, Steve O, uh, Steph. Is that where the is that the one where I made fun of uh, Rachel Maddow saying that uh, um, the guy from uh, Roger Ailes was her friend? Sorry, your video just froze for a second. What'd you say? Uh, do you remember if that was the show during that show? If I made oh, actually, it was uh, it was the the, the first it was uh, the first time you had Ro Khanna on your show oh. live. It was that show. Yeah, oh. it was that show. Oh. 
You know what? I and I was such a knucklehead that night because I didn't realize what a big deal that was that Rokana was there. <laughs> like he came, he comes well, into the green room. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you want a martini? And I'm <laughs> drinking. It was hard to foresee though, like how how important Rokana would would eventually come to be. So yeah, it was that was sort of his like first big public appearance was kind of on your show, and then from there he sort of uh, grew his name after that. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of progressives like to use our show as a springboard, <laughs> and then they and they never look back. They never like, huh? I didn't see. No, no, Rose been on our show since, so he's he's a he's a good guy. Um, although you know, what what do you make of when a guy like Ro Khan is wishy washy on Venezuela and stuff like that? And, and and does it bother you? Yeah, I think there's a lot of internal pressures that we're not so aware of, uh, and sometimes it's. There could be there may be trade offs behind the scenes, whereas, you know, if you if you play a game in Venezuela, then we'll go with you on this issue. And I think a lot of uh, unfortunately or I mean, depending how you look at it, uh, Congress people can go the wrong way based on th those sorts of behind the behind the door uh, meetings. But, yeah, it's it is unfortunate that a lot of them have taken a more, uh, uh, I guess, establishment position on on uh, certain foreign policy issues. But um, I mean, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib out there are killing it. So if they can do it, I'm not sure why other uh, Congress people are having issues. Yeah, Il Ilhan Omar seems to be, um, yeah, she seems to be the real deal for sure. Uh, and they, you know, they're coming after. Her. <laughs> they're not going to let her. Oh do yeah, no, yeah. They're not going to let her yeah. do what she's doing. In fact, they're going to. I bet they primary her. The Democrats do. <laughs> well, they're going to try, but there's there's no way she'll be primaried. I mean, she's too popular in her district. There's absolutely no way she'll be out. Okay, well that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now you know you probably know more about it because yeah, that's closer to where you live, eh? She's at Minnesota. Eh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love saying a. Eh. Um, so now. <laughs> Um, do you know who Jeremy Hotz is? Jeremy Hotz, no. Oh, okay. So he's a Canadian comedian, eh? Which is a funny thing to say also, Canadian comedian. Um, There's a lot of Canadian comedians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a Canadian comedian named uh, uh, John Dor. You ever, you know him? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very funny. He's very funny. Yeah, he's but I certainly blow him away as far as Twitter followers go, and that's how I measure a person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It only matters if you're retweeted, and that's the important thing. Um, so I'm the, here's Dave. Now, David Dole, the Rational National. Uh, this is the reason why I was watching uh, a video of yours where you were lamenting about Obama. But let me set it up. Obama was over in Europe, and he was once again wagging his finger at the left. And uh, the first time we covered him, he was in Italy, and he was wagging his finger at American voters for not voting. Instead of the American political system that is designed to suppress the vote, we vote on a Tuesday. We vote on a work day. He doesn't talk about any of that stuff. And he just and then he, and then the politician. So I always thought if someone doesn't come out to vote for you, that's on the politician. That's yep. what that's what I always thought. So Barack Obama was over in Europe and, and he says he said this about the left being purist. Here's what he said. Then we start sometimes creating what's called a uh, circular firing squad where you start shooting at your allies because one of them is straying from purity on the issues. So uh, that's basically, there. it's a much longer clip, but that's basically yeah. the gist of what he was saying. Don't be a purist, right? Um, but then, he, then, like Obama always, he then said, but don't compromise your core values. So he, he, he's on all sides of the issue. And then this is your reaction to that. And this is what really made me laugh. Here we go. You are actually talking about compromise. Understand you should be compromising. If there's, if there's compromise, it should be based around what the American people want, not what donors want. So, again, you I mean, for somebody so intelligent, for somebody that, that has a lot of good qualities, Obama has many great qualities. But for him to just completely not understand strategy whatsoever, <laughs> to come to the table with the public option and not something much far left of that, so then you were then forced to, to compromise down to something else. I mean, for him to not understand this basic idea of strategy and, and, and how to actually make a deal, uh, I just it blows my mind that he still <laughs> does not get this. Okay, so when I watch that, David... <laughs> yeah. 
first of all, it brought me much joy. As you can tell, it still does. <laughs> um, but it blew my mind, like, because that's how I felt before I read Listen Liberal. So yeah. then I read Listen Liberal, and I don't have that question anymore. Because and I stumbled at the same day as I was watching you be uh, perplexed over Obama. Why doesn't he understand strategy? I also clicked on this video, and this is from 10 years ago. This is from 2010, right after Barack Obama and the Democrats got wiped out in the midterms. And and it was because Barack Obama had revealed himself to be a toady of the Wall Street and of the health insurance and big pharma already. And so listen to what, I think the answer to your question is right here. Here it is. It's from Dylan Radigan. Right, here we go. I think that, and I, that the answer to why he didn't do it is the obvious one, which is that 40% of all money for political functionality comes from banks. The next biggest contributor for all political functionality, all campaign money, comes from the healthcare insurance companies and insurance monopoly. We functionally have, Glenn, a government that is not Democrats, Republicans, but that is six major industries that provide all of the capital, most of it coming from healthcare and finance, energy, defense, not far behind. And as a result, the politicians work to perpetuate those old interests. To your point, everybody would like to see more choice, more competition, but they don't get it because the politicians are more happy to work for those who write the checks at the expense of the balance of our country. How much longer can it be gotten away with? So I know you already know this, which is why it was perplexing to me to for me to see you uh, 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 openly wonder, why does Barack Obama not understand strategy? And my response to you would be, he totally understands strategy. His strategy was to make sure we didn't get the fucking public option and we didn't get it. I think the mistake people make is thinking Barack Obama has the same interests and goals as we do. What do you say? I mean, uh, ultimately, he he's a conservative uh, on many issues. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the issue of health care, he was conservative. And like, so this is why it's perplexing to me, because. Obama has said a lot of nice things, <laughs> said a lot of great things. <laughs> so when you when you see him parting this this so-called wisdom onto people about about sticking to your core principles, well, clearly his core principles are conservative because you didn't fight for an actual universal health care system that could have actually helped everybody. I mean, if he actually wanted the public option, as I say in that video, he would have gone f- further left on the issue. Rather than rather than start with the public option and then compromise from there, because when you start with the public option and then uh, I mean, so the reason apparently behind the scenes that the the reason that the public option was taken out was because of Joe Lieberman and that's Joe a, Lieberman's ties to, to the health insurance industry. That okay, is not. Okay, so I, I want to hear what you, you you say about this. Okay, so so, it, it, so what true? happens always is there's always just enough Democrats to kill a bill. The, mm-hmm. Whoever, so that that time it happened to be Joe Lieberman played the the role. I'll be the killer. So, but, but and but yeah. if you remember Barack Obama when he was campaigning to get the ACA passed, he didn't go to Joe Lieberman's district and shame him. He went yeah, exactly. to Dennis yeah. Kucinich's district and shamed him because he was standing up for the public option. So yeah. the so that's how this game works. There's always enough, just like there's enough Joe Mansions. There's just enough Joe Lieberman. Yeah. There's just enough. Democrats to fuck things up for us and they go oh I would have done it but it was that guy but when I read listen liberal Thomas Frank breaks down all those things Barack Obama and public option was one of them all those things that he actually could have done and made happen didn't need the Congress for even but by the the way uh, prosecuting Wall Street antitrust regulation all that stuff which he didn't need Congress for any of it they didn't do any of it so this was another thing so that public option is just another one of those things you can point to as whenever they need a Democrat to kill it, they'll find them. Mm-hmm. And this is why, I mean, leadership needs to change. Leadership, you need somebody in there that is is not propped up by these big money donors. I mean, that's ultimately what, what needs to happen. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they can't be leaders of the party, and you, you, you can't expect them to be leaders of the party and get anything progressive done, because they're going to kill it in, in whatever way. So that has that part of it has to change. But this also goes, I mean, even apart from policy, just fighting Republicans. I mean, Democrats just in general, in terms of fighting Republicans, are weak. Right now, look, on this issue, you may disagree with me, Jimmy, but I think Trump, I think Democrats should move for impeachment. There are multiple reasons, whether it's uh, the violation of the Emoluments Clause, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, multiple cases of, of, of obstruction of justice. 
There is no reason to not push for impeachment of Trump, but Nancy Pelosi isn't doing it. You have Rashida Tlaib fighting for it and, and Elizabeth Warren fighting for it. I mean, I, I don't, this is the, the part where it's, it's not even just about policy, but it's also about simply fighting Republicans. They feel like it's, it's politically uh, a risk for them to do it, but that's the game they've always played. That's the same game they've played for the past 10 years or the past uh, 30 years is being that they're so adverse to risk. They're so adverse to actually going after Republicans and they think it's gonna work out for them and it never does. So I don't see, I mean, but when it comes to policy, I completely understand, you know, the money aspect of it. But when it comes to something like impeachment of Trump, I don't understand the reasoning behind not pushing for impeachment. Okay, so before we move on to the impeachment, I just want to get back to you. You um, agree, like, so when I see you saying, why does Barack Obama not understand strategy? You know the answer already that he actually does understand strategy. It's that his strategy is to try not get the public option. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing. I was like, and that's the thing that is hard for people to realize. They think like, well, if he was just stronger, if he just pushed harder, he didn't push for it because he didn't fucking want it. He didn't. I think what, I, he didn't yeah, want to regulate uh, the banks. He didn't want to. He didn't want to break them up. He didn't want to re-regulate them, and he didn't want to prosecute any of them. That's why he didn't push for it. Yeah, I think a lot of people, because of how Obama campaigned in two thousand and eight. I mean, I was just watching some old clips of him going after Hillary in two thousand and seven, and it's. It's like a completely different guy. Yes. So when you see that 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 uh, that guy that he appears to be the strong progressive, really fighting back against Hillary Clinton. I mean, nothing to even close to what Bernie Sanders did in twenty uh, in twenty sixteen. He actually went hard after Hillary. I mean, when you see that guy, and then you see the complete transformation when he became president and just completely sold out uh, everything that he was discussing on the campaign trail. I think it's. It's perplexing to people. It confuses people because it's like, wait, I just wasn't this the, the same guy that was fighting for people while he was campaigning and now he's just completely giving in on everything. I mean, that's the part that I think people have a hard time getting around that Obama played them, essentially. Yes. I mean, he pretended to be somebody that he wasn't to campaign because he was smart enough to know that he can win as a progressive. But then when it came to actually uh, uh, enacting policy, he can then just be conservative and Nobody can say anything because, I mean, what's the alternative? So, I mean, he was successful in that way because th this is the thing. Obama is very intelligent. He knew what he was doing the entire time. And I think that's a, a hard pill to swallow at times for people to really grasp that fact that he was just he played a fake progressive. Yeah, that is. And so so now we both agree that the reason why Barack Obama pretends to be bad at strategy and frustrates progressives is because he's actually a conservative and his goals aren't the same goals that we have, but he gives a head yeah. fake that he's has the same goals we have, but he doesn't. So then you said so then you said this about Barack Obama, uh, which I will well, talk about after we play it. Here we go. It's being oh, it's the, the status quo was great. That's the problem. I, I mean, again, I don't understand. Look, it's one thing for <laughs> sitting Democrats to pretend to not get it because they're being literally paid by their donors not to get that. But it's another thing for Obama, who is out of office, has no reason to bullshit about this, but continues to apparently not understand this. It, it's insane. <laughs> okay, so now I just want to show you this. Um, I have to find it. Hang on a second. Okay, so here it is. So why Barack Obama's out of office? Why is he still carrying water for the pharmaceuticals and Wall Street? And it's like, well, here's a headline. Uh, yeah, speeches. After failing to prosecute <laughs> bankers, Obama cashes in with Wall Street speeches. Um, Obama goes from White House to Wall Street in less than one year. So that would be the answer to even why after he I mean, he doesn't have a cause. They still don't have clean water in Flint. He doesn't give a shit. You know, it's yeah. like I said. You know, when when Barack Obama was president, there was such a huge gap between what the government was doing and what people thought the government was doing. And now when Trump's president, there's no gap. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. So like when they were getting upset that Trump banned Muslims at the airport, I was like, why do you think there's Muslims at the airport? Because Barack Obama has been bombing them for eight straight fucking years. Does Barack Obama have to bomb them at the airport for you guys to get pissed off? And so people are starting, I think, to wake up to this stuff now. Uh, like, hey, uh, 
Trump's putting immigrants in, in cages. Barack Obama built those cages. Oh, Trump is gassing immigrants at the border. Barack Obama gassed immigrants at the border. So I will say, though, that th- those reasons sh- shouldn't be used as a reason to say not to do anything about Trump. Yeah, like, correct, th- correct. No, that no. Be used as, as, a, as a lesson. So, yeah, sure, we didn't do anything about uh, when Obama was doing these things. But now that it's so obvious and, and you know, in your face, we should. Like we should be doing something about it when Trump is doing it. So yes. I, I just want to ensure that people understand that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Maybe I wasn't being clear. I'm not saying we should ignore <laughs> ignore it now. Yeah. I'm saying that the reason we got Trump is because a guy like Barack Obama governed like him in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason yeah. why we got Trump is when people thought they elected a, a radical a lefty socialist, right? That's what people <laughs> thought they elected a black guy with a Muslim name. And then he governs like Mitt Romney anyway. Uh, yeah. People get desperate, and that's why they voted for Donald Trump because they that and this is happening all around the world. Uh, yeah. It's not just happening in the United States, as we had Mark Blython, uh, the political scientist, uh, who said that you know to, uh, Trump was not a local event, and yeah. that he and he termed the, the he coined the term glo- global Trumpism. And so this is the effect of neoliberalism. This is the effect of when the workers, the working party gets in bed with Wall Street uh, and turns their back on the workers. Right. And that's so that's and, and so the reason why I bring that up is because Glenn Greenwald says says this. And I think it's a good I want to talk to you about it's your being, reaction. Oh, it's the, the status. Here we go. Ready? Here we go been any leverage because you can complain and, and object to all sorts of things but at the end of the day politicians know that they're, you're going to give them your undying and unconditional support because the other side is just mildly worse what you're doing is you're ensuring that you will be ignored that was 10 years ago and he was saying that about the democratic voters if you yeah. pledge your vote to a politician what you're doing is you're guaranteeing that you'll be ignored and that's what i was saying in the run-up to the 2016 election, when everybody I worked with at the Young Turks and everybody in the world was pledging their support to Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, no, now is when you have to make her come get your vote because after the election, it's too late. There, I remember at the Young Turks, Jen's idea was we're going to fight her on day one. In fact, they were going to go protest her on the night of the election at her hotel in New York, but she didn't win. So my whole but my whole point is exactly what Glenn Greenwald said 10 years ago, that if we pledge our support to this party, we're going to keep you, you have no leverage. What, what do you say to that? Well, look what happened. So Hillary lost and the Democrats still didn't learn. So <laughs> this I mean, is correct. Th- that's so I, I understand what you're saying, Jimmy. But at the same time, I totally would tell people to I mean, you have to vote for Hillary because of how terrible Trump is. I mean, that's the bottom line. And and that's just the uh, like, unfortunately, I have to say this. If Joe Biden's the nominee, you have to vote for Joe, uh, Joe Biden over 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 Trump. I mean, the, the, this is this is a guy who is essentially a fascist. I mean, you cannot allow President Trump to continue uh, being president, I mean, which is why we have to get to uh, impeachment, because I don't there is no reason not to impeach this guy. If anybody else did what Trump did, they would be in jail. So, so the idea. So, so let's stay. Let's let's before we get to impeachment, let's stay on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you disagree with Glenn Greenwald. You think you should pledge support and that's a winning strategy. Well, I think he's saying in terms of uh, pledging support. I mean, how do you. Hey, let me play it like, again. Let me just play out. it. Let me just play it again. And then we'll talk. There's been any leverage because you can complain and, and object to all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, politicians know that they're, you're going to give them your undying and unconditional support because the other side is just mildly worse. What you're doing is you're ensuring that you will be ignored. I mean, you're, that's so again, that's the strategy that we've been. That's 10 fucking years ago. But it's not just about voting. It's about building movements. I mean, if there is no if there is no movement to, say, have a, a Green Party, you know, president, then th- there is no th- there's no reason to. I mean, look what happened. You got Trump. I mean, that's not for all of for how terrible Trump is. Hillary would have been better. I mean, culturally. Yeah, but do you uh, do you think about you? But again, so you, you, what you're prescribing is that the reason the the reason we got Trump, which is neoliberalism, which is Hillary yeah, Clinton, Barack Obama, yeah, yeah. Joe Biden. So you're saying that the antidote to Trump is actually the thing that got us Trump. 
It's not all about voting, though. You have to build movements. I mean, Noam Chomsky said you should vote for Hillary I over know. Donald Trump. I know. So, I mean, this. I mean, we can play this game where we're picking and choosing people that that we like, but ultimately, you have to think about the the overall impact on real people's lives. And yes. Hillary is not a great option. She's, she's a horrible option, but Trump is a more horrible option. And you have to build movements in between elections to be able to actually bring the Justice Democrats did. And you have AOC now, you have Rashida Tlaib. I mean, these things don't happen overnight, right? You have to, it, it takes time to build these movements up. It takes time to support people uh, like an AOC, like a Rashida Tlaib, like, a, like a Ilhan Omar, to actually have people that represent real Americans in Congress. Building those movements takes time. So it's not going to happen in one election. So ultimately that's that's how I, I view this entire thing. When it comes to the actual vote between a Republican and a Democrat, I think you should always choose the Democrat, but in between elections, you should be helping to try and build movements so that you actually can create this kind of force that can enact real change. So uh, here's what Mike Ravel says. I just wanna read this to you. He says, if Democrats nominate Joe Biden, he may win, and we'll have four years of weak, feckless Democratic leadership. And then in four years, he'll be defeated by a Republican Party, even more openly white nationalists. If you nominate an Obama redux, you'll get a worse Trump redux. So this is what I've been trying. This has been the mission of this show since I read Listen Liberal, is to try to get people to think beyond one election cycle. That, you know, by electing Barack Obama twice, that gave us Trump. By elect, telling people to vote for Hillary Clinton, that got us Trump. And if we put Joe Biden in there and people's lives get worse in the next four years, which they will. They we, will, but we, they'll get worse under Trump. And we'll get a worse. But then in four years, we'll get a worse Trump. The, the deal is if we keep pledging our vote to the problem, we're never but, going to get a solution. <laughs> Look, Jimmy, I like you a lot, but you, you also said that if Trump would win, it would they would build a big enough movement that in four years we'll have a big progressive like Bernie Sanders. Well, well if right we're now, doing this again and, and well, Trump wins again, I mean, what's like the ultimate clearly we can't be predicting the future, which is why you, you have to no, do what you 2020 can. 2020 hasn't moment. happened yet, David. Da David, 2020 is still coming up. David, 2020 hasn't happened. And Bernie Sanders is right now. Uh, the leading candidate running for president. Know, but, do you think know, that would be in, happening in if Hillary Clinton? Wait a minute. Do you think that would be happening if Hillary Clinton was president? No. No, of course not. We'd be going we back. We'd have, a solid, win. we'd have a solid. <laughs> we also don't know if Bernie's going to win. Right. We don't. But I'm saying we we also would have a solid Republican Senate and a solid Republican House. We'd be in more wars. We'd be in Venezuela. Things would be getting. I mean, uh, well, I'm. We don't necessarily know then, what would happen under And under then we'd all presidency. have to rally around Hillary in four more years. Nobody would be allowed to primary her. We'd have that it's, again. So, again, the, there's I and I like you. That's why I'm having this. Kind of, I don't like to have these yeah, kind of conversations no. with people I don't like. <laughs> so that's why I'm having this conversation. But um, uh, if it, you you the prescript we've been doing what you're saying to do for the last 40 years and every four years. Now, Barack Obama openly admits he's a Republican. He said, my policies are moderate Republican. That's so that's how you shift the Overton window to the right. So by keep doing this, by pledging our vote to corporatists like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. And if they know they have your vote, just like Glenn Greenwald said 10 years ago, it just keeps getting worse. So we've been doing not what Glenn Greenwald said, but what you've been saying, and it got us Trump. But I don't think it's getting worse now. I think there are, the, you see the Justice Democrats. I don't, I mean, you have to understand how the impact that someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has had on the conversation. I mean, we're talking about the Green New Deal. Uh, I don't think that would be a, a topic of conversation if you didn't have her in Congress. So you have this movement now where, yes, the window for you know the past 40 years has been uh, moving to the right, but I think AOC and other uh, uh, other uh, Congress people like Ilhan Omar and, and Rashida Tlaib, they are moving the, car, the the window now more to the left. And yes. again, as I said, these these changes don't happen overnight. Like it's not going to happen with with one presidential election. You have to actually build the movement uh, from the ground up, from within Congress, uh, eventually the Senate, and that's how you take over the Democratic Party. And you have to replace the leadership. I mean, that's ultimately the most important thing. You have to replace Nancy Pelosi. You have to replace Chuck Schumer, because then that's when things ultimately change. That's when the priorities change. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, when, uh, when I realized this, it kind of was a mind blower for me that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leadership, is to the right of Trump voters. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Not Trump, but Trump's voters. They're to the right because Trump's voters are for a single payer. Uh, they're for taxing billionaires and millionaires. Uh, they're for the Green New Deal. Uh, they're for ending the wars. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not for any of those things. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, but what you have to ask yourself is, do Trump, what do Trump supporters want more? Do they want single payer or do they want a president that is a racist? I, Just well, like them. I think I that mean, if the, we, the impact on culture, we can't really uh, we can't look over uh, how important how important cultural issues are to right wing voters. And I think Democrats forget that a lot. That's why even regardless, I, I would hope with a Bernie Sanders candidacy that you, you would get some of these voters over. But ultimately, uh, I'm less concerned about getting Republican voters and I'm more uh, concerned about getting people that don't vote. I think that's how you actually uh, win in this movement. You have to get people out that don't normally vote because that's you're not going to get you're not going to get a lot of those hate filled racists that Trump gets. You're, not, you're just not going to get them regardless of the policies. So you have to actually go after non-voters. Right. No, I th- I agree with you, too. There's always going to be that. You know, there's the there's the Dick Cheney's, the George W. Bush, you know, those hardcore Republicans. They're never you're never going to get those. But you will get the guys like we've interviewed on this show who was a Waffle House cook, uh, Nick Smith in Virginia, who says, hey, we knew Donald Trump was a loudmouth jag, jag off jag, a Yankee who should have got his ass kicked a long time ago. But he was promising us something. At least he was promising us something. And Hillary wasn't promising us anything. So those are the people I think you can get. But you're right about the most important thing. And the reason why Hillary lost was because the people who came out and voted for Barack Obama twice in Wisconsin and Michigan would not come out to vote for her in Wisconsin and Michigan. That We've done stories about that. The New York Times has even covered that. So that's really you're on to that. The, the biggest voting block in America is the people who don't vote. And then the next biggest voting block are people who aren't members of a party, the independents. And then yeah. like only the Democrats, 26 percent and the Republicans. 27 percent very small percentage of voters i want to show you one more tweet this guy says it's not like i ever aspired to be a radical but if you have kids and grandkids and you're paying attention then you have to realize that we don't have time for gradual change by compromise we compromised our way into an existential crisis we need progressive change now what do you say to that guy I mean, I completely agree. But if it, that's why it's not just about electoral politics. It's also about building movements, like joining the DSA, for example, J- joining groups that are trying to achieve, at least uh, on the local level or state level, actual change. And then when you start to build those pockets of movements, they grow and they eventually grow into a movement that can actually win a presidency. So it's it, it's one thing to you know hope and wish and and think that you know one vote in an election is going to change everything, but ultimately this kind of stuff takes work and it takes time to actually build the momentum needed to to win. Okay, um, let's talk about uh, real quickly. I want to talk about healthcare in Canada. Now I hear it's a yes. nightmare, Dave. It's a nightmare, right? Everybody has to uh, wait. Isn't it a nightmare? <laughs> aren't aren't the people in Canada screaming? We want United States style healthcare. Oh yeah, we all want private insurance companies to take care of us. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing here. I mean, I'm just going to say it, uh, uh, <laughs> like, so we have a single payer system. Uh, it's, uh, federally, uh, regulated, but, uh, provincially it, it changes depending on the province, but th- there's like standards, uh, set for the entire country. And ultimately, uh, we have basic coverage covered. So when it comes to, um, your, your, uh, family doctor, uh, uh, medications are partially covered. So actually, uh, this is what I want, I want to get into as well. Bernie's Medicare for All plan is better than what we currently have because it covers dental care, it covers vision care. Uh, it, I think it has a pharmacare in there as well. So it, there are steps taken in Bernie's Medicare for, uh, for All plan that is better than what we have. But what we have is a major step above what Americans currently have. I mean, just think of the idea alone. When you're, when you have, when you're stuck to a private insurer, say you, you, have a, you, you work for a great company, they have a great insurance plan. You are stuck to that that job. Say you want to leave, but what's preventing you from leaving is the fact that you have great health insurance. So imagine a system where you don't have to worry about that at all. You can maybe start a business. You can you can leave your job. You can start a business. You have health care. There's no worries. So I mean, just on that one aspect alone, I mean, that is the <laughs> that is one of the the big reasons to change to a to a single payer uh, healthcare system. But there are so many. I mean, there are so many benefits. Whether it's a preventative health care. So uh, a close family uh, member of mine just had a, a colonoscopy, which is a preventative measure in case there's anything else you know, that, that, that may arise down the line. That not only saves lives, but it also saves money. Because what happens if you don't get checked out early, you end up getting cancer. That 
costs more money. So this idea that, I mean, there are already, there's multiple studies now showing that a Medicare for all system would save money over the current system. I mean, all you have to do is look at countries around the world, not even just Canada. I mean, look at Europe. The, the, the fact that when I see uh, healthcare stories in the US, it's almost like looking back in time because we are so far past that now. Like to, 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 to think that healthcare still is not a right, that you still have to pay for it like it's a, like it's a cell phone. I mean, it's just, it's so completely absurd to me that it's hard to even fathom because I have grown up in a system where I've always had healthcare. I had surgery once, it didn't cost anything. I went to, I went, got surgery, came home. I had, it was like one sheet of paperwork, like that was it. There's, there's no, there's no, uh, it's, it's so, it's so simple. And I think that's what people uh, in America really need to understand. It's, it's so simple to the point that you don't think about it. I don't ever think about healthcare. And I feel like Americans, that's amazing. have to think about healthcare all the time. That is a that's amazing that I don't ever have to think about healthcare. That's all Americans think about. Yeah. That is amazing. Um now and also just uh, just uh, one more thing on that. We also choose our own doctors. So there's this idea that oh because it's government run that they pick your doctor for you. Not true. You choose your own doctor. You have it this is the thing. Universal healthcare, the a Medicare for all system would give you freedom. This idea that it would somehow give you less freedom because the, it's government run is so completely <laughs> absurd. It takes out the profit making middleman. There is no longer someone trying to make you know, money off of, off of sick people. What you have now is a system where you get healthcare when you need it, you have preventative care, you're not tied to an employer. Uh, I mean, the benefits honestly are, are endless. So, uh, I hope, I mean, I think right now we are winning the battle there. I mean, you see recent polls saying 70% um, of, of voters uh, support a Medicare for all system, including majority of Republicans. So I think uh, opinion is changing on that. So to see the Democratic Party continue to act like it's this far left position is just absolutely hilarious. And I hope, I hope, I really hope that you nominate somebody uh, for 2020 uh, that will push for a Medicare for all system. How many viable? Would, go ahead. But we're, we're we're supposed to vote for someone who won't, though, right? <laughs> we have to vote for Joe Biden, right, David? Rob Placone, did you hear his question, Dave? Well, if you're picking Trump or Joe Biden, I'm sorry, I hate yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah, I get it. It's that that thought that you thought of yourself. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to get back Very to that insightful. discussion, but no there, one's... There, there are there are there are levels of like what's terrible. It's not just like you know. The, the, there is a difference between Biden and, and Trump. Now, it's not a big difference, but there's a difference. So I, I just, yeah, I don't want to get back. Yeah, that, I mean, but. what was horrible was when Trump tortured Chelsea Manning all those years. I mean, uh, what was horrible, <laughs> I mean, every horrible thing you can think of, Joe Biden has done. It's just he's the rack war. They told tortured Chelsea he's, Manning. He's a terrible person. He's 100%. terrible. He's he's all on board with Trump in Venezuela. He's for Syria, Libya. He couldn't be worse. He's he tells you you can't have Medicare for all. He tells you you can't. The banks are. Oh, he just did a thing the other day. He said billionaires are not the problem. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it was somebody with no money and no power. <laughs> I knew it had to be. I mean, this guy is a night. I mean, four years of Joe Biden. Will what, what? I don't know how they could get worse than Trump. You know what they're going to get? They're get a competent Trump, and then that's that's what. Don't aren't yeah. you afraid of that? No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. But that's why you can't let Joe Biden win the nomination. I mean, that's ultimately <laughs> that that's what has to be the focus now. I also don't <laughs> look. I also uh, this. Uh, if Joe Biden wins the nomination, I think he'll lose. So I uh, do too. I do yeah. too. By the way, <laughs> those same people who didn't vote for Hillary are going to also not vote for Joe yeah, Biden. Yeah, they'll stay home. Like yes. it's just—it's the same thing. Especially since he doesn't offer them anything. Like, yeah. he, like they—he just did an interview on ABC, and they said, you know, Trump's motto is "Make America Great Again." What's yours? And he said, "Make America Moral Again." I'm like. When did this happen? That that's what the Republicans used to do in the eighties. That was Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and all that bullshit. And they impeached Clinton over a blowjob. And they were the moralizers. And now it's so backwards. It's flip. And he offers people nothing. Not a goddamn thing will he offer them. Except he's gonna. If you feel icky that Trump is president, you won't feel icky anymore. But I'll still fuck you as hard as Trump ever fucked you. Did you see that the other day Joe Biden said he doesn't have time to lay out his health care plan? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> did, you yeah. See, did you see he's, him grab a little boy and say he said it was OK if I touched him? Did you see yeah. him do that? 
Yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah. There, there's there's endless there's endless shit like that. That's why uh, he, he's leading about, right. He's leading right now. But once the dem, once the uh, the debates start, I think it's he's gonna drop off. I, I I just I don't. He's always dropped off. I mean, when you have other people in the race who actually have something to offer. And Joe Biden is out there, he, even him giving his speeches. I mean, he's mumbling over his words. He's he's not he's not the old Joe where he you know can 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 really play a crowd. He's not that same guy anymore. So I just don't think people are going to fall for it this time. Um, I well, it's 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 a matter of the super delegates, right? So it's it's gonna. Do you think it's my theory of it's going to get pushed to a second ballot and then they're going to choose anyway the super delegates? I uh, try to be optimistic. I <laughs> hope that doesn't happen. Uh, because yeah, the, if it gets to the point where, look, there's a fair argument to make that if Bernie, uh, wins in terms of, uh, has more delegates, but, but doesn't have enough to, uh, doesn't have a majority and it goes to, to a second ballot. I think there's a fair argument to make that at that point, push Bernie to run for an independent, uh, run against the Democrat because he won the nomination. I mean, if you have the superdelegates pushing a candidate over Bernie, even though Bernie got the most votes, you can't, that's a problem. At, at, at that point, that is a crisis. So yeah, at that point, I would say, yeah, F Joe Biden or F whoever the Democrats put up, Bernie Sanders won the votes. You, you have to push for a, a Bernie independent run. I don't know if he would go for it. I would hope he would go for it, but that's a situation that I hope it doesn't come to. Okay. Well, I, you know, I also think that if Bernie wins, that's when you'll see a third party. That's when the corporate Democrats will start a new party and they'll probably <laughs> call it the progressive party. Cause that's the kind of pricks they are. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll take over the Republican party, which is also possible. Yeah. And, that, that is also possible. Yeah. Yes. I wish they would go to the Republican party. That's where they belong. Yeah, That would be great. Um, I wanted to ask you about Justin Trudeau. So what does a Canadian oh, think yeah. about Justin Trudeau? Uh, he is, he's essentially Canada's, uh, Obama. I mean, th this is a guy, he, in, in some ways, even he's almost a bit like Trump in, in terms of he inherited his, his privilege. I mean, this is a guy that his, his father was prime minister. So this is somebody who he bought a pipeline, a $4.5 billion oil pipeline while pretending to, you know, be the climate change guy. Uh, there's there's scandals with uh, I don't want to get too you know into this these these uh, complicated details but he has scandals with SNC Lavalin uh, this is the scandal where uh, essentially SNC Lavalin is a is a uh, a large uh, company in in Canada where they had uh, there's fraud and corruption charges uh, against them they were going to be prosecuted so what was happening behind the scenes is that the the AG actually wanted to uh, wanted to go forward with the with these charges. But Trudeau was pressuring uh, pressuring her to push for a deferred prosecution agreement, which essentially would let SNC Lavalin off with a slap on the wrist. Again, uh, showing you that this the Liberal Party is connected to these massive corporations, much like the Democratic Party is. So you have this this issue right now where we have many options, other options in Canada. I mean, you have the Green Party, which is right now is actually uh, growing in in support. Uh, you have the NDP. And we, ha we have a system here, a parliamentary system, where it is actually viable that we can elect somebody that is not liberal or conservative and actually uh, put up a party like the NDP that represents unions and, and workers and have uh, a leader like uh, Jagmeet Singh that actually represents people. So luckily, we have a system here where we can do that. It's a little tougher in the U.S. to push for a third party candidate because uh, you don't have a parliamentary system. So it's a little different. But because we have that option to do that, I mean, it has to start now because ultimately, I mean, right now, the Conservative Party in Canada, again, Canadians do this thing where they go back and forth. They go between conservatives and, and liberals. And these are two parties that represent wealthy interests. So there has to be a change here because we can't keep doing this back and forth thing. And right now, the conservatives are actually leading in the polls. There, there's an election later this year. Uh, I'm very frightened at the idea of Andrew Scheer, who is the conservative leader of uh, his party uh, coming into power. So Justin Trudeau, yeah, ultimately, this is a guy that is is just a, a neoliberal. And he does not represent the best interests of Canadians. He represents massive corporations, the wealthy, and special interests. Wow. So but you have the, the NDP party. What is first of all, what does NDP stand for? National 
New Democratic Party. New Democratic Party. So they're the yeah, new. Yeah, actually, Dem they're the party that that got us universal health care back in the '60s. So um, Tommy Douglas, the uh, the father of the NDP, he pushed for uh, universal health care. He was actually in the early 2000s voted. Uh, I forget the exact terminology, but the the most, most popular. popular Canadian, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So the guy who gave them health care. Yeah. So he's looked at as you know the greatest Canadian of all time because he's the guy that brought us universal health care. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, how it uh, essentially formed, and it formed uh, with the close ties to, to unions. So the NDP has always been close uh, with unions and, and workers and labor rights, as well as, of course, health care. So uh, right now they're pushing for uh, a universal pharmacare plan, because uh, even though we have universal health care here, we still have to pay for medication, even though I have to say it's a lot cheaper here than the U.S. So, I mean, for example, I well, wait, wait, had a If Cory Booker moves to Canada, he'll get those prices up for you. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Because uh, when I went to uh, get my medication, this is like a few months ago, I was, I was sick for, for a bit, uh, it was 20 bucks. So, I mean, and, and that's for a bottle of pills. So this is, uh, our, our medication is a lot cheaper here. Uh, that said, it would be better if we didn't have to pay for it at all. It would uh, help a lot of people who are in situations where they can't even afford 20 bucks for medication. So um, they're pushing for uh, stuff like that. But I mean, our elections as well, they're, they're so short. They're like three months at most. So what ends up happening is it's not exactly clear what all the parties are running on until we actually get closer to the election and can actually uh, go through their platform and, and really understand uh, what they're all about. But right now, yeah, the NDP or the Greens, I have to say, uh, Elizabeth May, the, the leader of the Green Party, is actually the most popular leader of any party right now in Canada, even though they only have two seats in our uh, two, um, two ridings right now in Canada. So uh, the hope is that the NDP grows and the Greens grow. Uh, or the yeah the greens uh, grow, but unfortunately the conservatives right now are up in the polls. So I I it, it's hard to kind of understand or it's hard so to it's, predict how it's all play out. It's really tough to take though from a guy living in a country with health care, uh, <laughs> multiple viable parties, and a parliamentary system. Tell me I got to vote for fucking Joe Biden. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. You don't you don't live in a parliamentary <laughs> system, unfortunately. I'm I sorry. <laughs> Change the system. Change the system. Well, I'm not voting for Joe Biden, no matter what. And there's a yeah. lot of people like me. And so a lot of people like to be angry at people like me. And I and what I always say is that if people like me had as much power as you pretend I did, you'd be a lot fucking nicer to me. Because if I actually had the power to swing elections, don't you think you'd need me and you'd try to butter me up? Uh, otherwise, you have the shittiest voter outreach I've ever seen in my life. No, yeah, 100. Yeah. When it comes to actually convincing voters, I don't think it really makes sense to go after them and, and get angry at them to try and change their mind. Generally, that, that's not how, you know, uh, that isn't really, uh, you can't be persuasive in that way. You, if you want to win an argument, you have to understand where that person's coming from. And like, in your case, I completely understand you never wanted to, to vote for Joe Biden. I 100% understand. I would just say, I don't think, I think it would be a lot worse under Trump. And I think right now it's worse under Trump than it would be under Hillary. But as th bad there's as a Hillary lot of cyclical problems. D David, there's a lot of cyclical problems that are connected with this. First of all, let's say hypothetically Joe Biden is president, is, is our next president. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully Joe Biden's not our next president. But let's say hypothetically he is. It, it would be a very underwhelming presidency. It would be a very center right wing at best presidency. And then the Republicans could nominate a baby with holding a gun and a Nazi flag. And that Republican baby would win uh, the next presidential election. Also, you would have a populace of people who thought, gee, we had another four years of left wing policies and our lives didn't get better. So now all you of a sudden also, you could also try to primary Joe Biden. I mean, you have a movement right now within the Democratic Party that is a progressive movement that's starting to grow. They are they are already. Coming I agree. Out against I Joe agree. Biden. But it so isn't as simple as just going the lesser of two evils. And you know what I experienced in 2016, David? I experienced friends of mine who lived in swing states who voted for Hillary Clinton because they were so scared of Trump and they cried in their car because they had to vote for such an awful nominee. I live in California, a safe state, so I pulled the lever for Jill Stein, not just for well, myself, but for them and for this country. So I want you to say to me that I was wrong. That's what I want from you. I want you to say had, to me that I was that wrong. There are people that had their family members deported by Donald Trump. I think they have, uh, there are people crying. that had family members deported by Barack Obama. Is a, is a little more there are people important. that had people those deported people by Barack Obama, Those people that lost their family too. members is a little more important than somebody crying over a vote. Wow, I, I thought, usually I'm the one. Who gets gets it's usually I'm the one who gets heated. This is funny that I'm not the one, but um, 
So, but yeah, but the the uh, you know when some I, I've been in these, but I have been in these arguments heated. And when someone says that to me, they say, "Well, you know, they, a family member just got deported." I'm like, "Barack Obama was a deporter in chief, man. I mean, thirty percent yeah, of Hispanics voted. You know, thirty percent president anymore. Trump's president now. I mean, that's it's. It, I completely understand. At the time, something should have been done about that, and it wasn't. But because we're now living in in the now, it's important to actually fight Trump on these issues. Now, because he is the president. Yes, right now. I, I'm with you. I, I told so. Now it's easier to fight these issues because when Barack Obama was doing it, people wouldn't let you even talk about it. It's like shut up. He's a good guy. Now that Trump is doing it, we can all coalesce and we see how horrible what is actually happening is happening. Before nobody gave a fuck. Now people care that Trump is doing it. You have to admit that, right? Oh no, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, so that that was always my point. Mm, I got a fly in here, but that was always my point that if that, that Barack Obama puts the left to sleep again, these aren't my ideas. These are ideas of other people who are smarter than me wrote them, and I read them like Thomas Frank. And it, but it, the evidence is there that Barack Obama did put the left to sleep, and now we're all aware of the, that. Hey, Barack, uh, 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 Trump is gassing. Uh, immigrants. Trump is putting them in cages. Barack Obama was doing the same thing, but now we're aware of it, so now we can fight it. That, that was always I also my say, point. Though, look, I also want to say, when it comes to, I mean, if you're in California or New York, yeah, vote Green Party. Who cares? I mean, the, the Democrats going to win that state. But when it comes to more important states, I think that's where the, the focus really needs to, to be. And, and So, yeah, I mean, if you voted for Jill Stein in, in, in California, good. I mean, I don't think it makes a difference. But if you if you didn't vote or you voted for Jill Stein in states that that went to Trump uh, from uh, from Obama, then I think that's a little more important. OK, I, so we got the I mean, we're just I have these I, I have these conversations almost daily with people uh, about this. And it's just, you know, uh, we just have different theories of voting strategies. I agree with you that we need to uh, form coalitions and you know raise awareness about these things and fight them. I just think it's easier to fight against these things with a Republican president than it certainly was with Barack Obama, especially since he was a Republican president, too, which we both agree on on that. So we can agree that it's been the Democratic Party's failures that has led us to what I would consider an existential crisis right now, especially because of climate change. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, I mean, we could say failures or we could say that's how they designed it. Yeah. I mean, you have these two parties propped up by corporate interests. That. That's what they wanted. So, yeah, it's yeah. that it's again, it's not a failure. I slipped into that same fucking thing of why I, we started this conversation yeah, is I'm pretending they are failing and they're not failing. They're, they're doing exactly what they're chosen to do. Well, yeah. listen, David, it's been uh, great talking with you. Um um, even even when you're wrong about shit, I like hearing from you. <laughs> <laughs> Same with you, Jimmy. Same with you. <laughs> now, and I'm, you know, and I'm sad that I. Uh, so when I when you when we met each other in Burbank, was I nice? Oh yeah, you were. Oh yeah. Oh, very thank, nice. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. All right. So that's I'm always worried. Someone said, "Hey, remember I met you?" Okay. Like, oh fuck! What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got to be nice to everybody, and then it just works out. Yes. Now, well. Um, I rem- it, it th- this happens to us all the time. One time, uh, this guy cuts in front of us in traffic, and Steph uh, is kind of like, "Can you believe this guy?" and and he rolls down his window, and, and we think he's going to yell at us, right? And he goes, uh, "Hey, love your show." <laughs> Drive by compliment. That's good. We were like, "Hey, hey, good thanks." It was like, "Well, we got to be nice to everybody." <laughs> nice to everybody. All right. Well, everybody, uh, your show is really gaining in popularity, right? Have you noticed? Yeah, it uh, kind of blew up this year. Uh, in January, uh, I had one video hit a million views, and from there, it kind of uh, exploded. Oh, so, that's yeah. what does it. When you get the million yeah. view. Yeah, when you get the million view video, that's it. <laughs> it really is. We we had uh, a, a, one one that uh, about Barry Weiss. That thing, we're still... Oh, yeah. We're still oh, writing Weiss off the fumes terrible. of that video. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank God she's so horrible, Barry Weiss. Oh, she's Th- terrible. Thank God. <laughs> thank I thank God Joe Rogan has such a non-threatening environment that they let their guard down. Oh yeah. <laughs> and reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, uh, let me just ask you one more time before I go. I could talk to you forever, and I really appreciate you, um, you know, giving us all this time. Uh, oh, yeah, I just no want to talk to you really briefly about RussiaGate, and I don't. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I, no, I. I know you want to impeach him, but just on the RussiaGate thing. 
um, aren't you kind of a little surprised? I am that um, somebody made an analogy like when when a guy would get his posse to go out looking for people, they would always bring a couple extra horses because if the horse they were riding got too tired or whatever, they just hop on the other horse and keep going. <laughs> and so that's what the American news media has done. Like Russiagate died. They just fuck it. We're on the, and then they, they didn't miss a stride. And now they're going yeah. towards obstruction and this and that. Yeah. And, and to the point where Rachel Maddow, we, we have a video on this where she was saying that Robert Mueller is is not being involved in redacting the Mueller report. It's Barr himself, even though on her news crawl it was saying Mueller's helping Barr do the redaction. I mean, <laughs> the, even her own producers are correcting her in real time. So just give me your general, what your sense well, is. I mean, when it comes to the media, yeah, total and complete media failure. But I think it's important to separate what the media has failed on and separate that from what the Democratic Party should do. So did did the media completely play up this uh, Putin uh, Trump conspiracy for two years? 100%. But at the same time, the Mueller report has multiple examples of, of obstruction of justice. But even look, even apart from the Mueller report, Trump and the emoluments clause, the violation of the, emol uh, the emoluments clause, after Trump won the election in 2016, Saudis bought up 500 rooms in a Trump hotel. And then what happens? Oh, Saudi arms deal. So, uh, the so why didn't murder, they go after that? So the David, Yemen. why didn't they go after that? I agree with you on all this stuff. He's corrupt. Why didn't yeah. they go after that? And why did they go after a hoax? Uh, because the Democrats are weak. I mean, ultimately, that, that's what it is. I mean, Nancy Pelosi knows all this, but I think I think she thinks in her head that, it. oh, it's going to hurt. Uh, it's going to make Republican voters not want to vote for us in 2020 if we go after Trump, but they're not going to vote for you anyways. I mean, you have to go after non-voters. So I think the way you excite people out, I mean, part of the reason, there are people out there that look uh, to our, uh, unfortunately, some people don't care about Medicare for all, but they do care about getting Trump out. So if you can play both of those cards, both push out strong progressive policy and both talk about getting Trump out of there, and pushing for impeachment, I think that works to two different audiences, and I don't see a downside to that. I see a huge downside, a uh, couple ways. Uh, Mike Pence, you'd get Mike Pence. In fact, when uh, we had a clip... Mike you think Mike Pence is going to win an election? I, I, Mike oh, Pence that, is oh, you're talking about... Oh, that's what you're talking about? Getting rid of him for 2020? Oh, okay. No, I, no, 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 but, no, but I mean, in terms of... Well, for, yeah, first of all, there's no way... Yeah, in terms of actually getting Trump out, that's not going to happen because they don't have the numbers to convict in the Senate. But just in terms of fighting Trump, just in terms of the Democrats showing some fight against Republicans, I mean... As I, I don't understand. If you support Nancy Pelosi here, fine. I don't support the Nancy Pelosi strategy of being weak on Trump. I'm with Rashida Tlaib and I'm with AOC and Ilhan Omar and actually trying to uh, uh, get um, uh, Trump out of there. So I, I think that's that's ultimately what we have to look at is understanding the fact that not everybody cares about progressive policy, but they do care about uh, hating Trump. And if you can play that card as well, there is no real downside, in my opinion, to doing that. Um, I, I mean, uh, uh, no, I, you, I make so many points in my head and then I forget them. <laughs> I do that all the time. Don't worry. I know. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, uh, to me, Russiagate helped Trump. Uh, ultimately it helped Trump and it's now a lot of people smarter than me. It's been saying that what it's done is it created like this kind of Teflon shield around him because now when accurate criticisms come his way, he could just go fake news because the last two and a half years were complete fake news. And yeah, but he would do it anyways. And his his his, his poll numbers are are down. I mean, of course, you can look at different polls and stuff, but his his favorability rating is down. And regardless of what Democrats do, Trump's going to call fake news. Uh, I just. So when it comes to actually getting Trump's base, you're not going to get those people. But what you can do yep. is actually show people that you have fight in you when it comes to going after Trump. So Trump was going to say fake news anyway, but the fact that they actually were fake news is what fucking makes it land now. <laughs> they were well, fucking fake news. When it comes to the conspiracy fake news, but he can't call fake news on on the obstruction of justice or the emoluments. So, uh, and, I, yeah. And it, how do it, you it, feel about that overall, that literally... Um, you know, the, one of the weapons of like people like the Washington Post is to smear people by calling them conspiracy theorists. We've been a victim of that. Like we covered Seth Rich one day. The next day we do another video debunking because the investigator hired by the family was talking on the news. We covered that. The next day we debunk him 
Yet forever, the Washington Post and everyone else somehow smears us with that the mainstream news media pushes an evidence-free, red-baiting conspiracy theory at the top of their lungs for two and a half years. No one, not nothing, not 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 one piece of dirt on them. Isn't that that's outrageous? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, they don't want to um, prop up people that criticize them, right? So if if the Washington Post is going after you, it's because they're afraid of you. I mean, I mean, that isn't always the case, obviously, but it it is the case a lot of the time when it comes to independent media that is free from, you know, any big money interests or or certain perspectives that are within this bubble. I mean, when you challenge that existing system, those those established uh, uh, ideas, yeah, you're going to rattle some people. And ultimately, that's going to happen if you are challenging the system. People aren't just going to accept it. So there is there. in place, whether it's media, whether it's politicians, that will push back against change or push back against uh, new information or, or any ideas that that are already established within the walls uh, of those media or those political environments. So you just, it, it's best not to even really uh, let it get to you because ultimately it doesn't mean anything. I mean, people that, that uh, watch you, they're going to I'm sure they're also going to take in, you know, the Washington Post and New York Times. And you reference them. I reference them. There, there are there's great reporting that they do. But it's just it's about being able to separate the BS from the great reporting. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree with you on that. Um, now, let me think. I have to think of the point I wanted to make again. Hang on. <laughs> I'll think of it. Um, oh, so like, for instance, just on the Russiagate. The, they they didn't get Russia Gate wrong. They they didn't make a mistake, or as as Glenn Greenwald pointed out, because all if you thought they were just making honest mistakes, half the mistakes would go one way and half the mistakes would go the other way. They're always in the same direction, right? And they never brought on people who had a counter narrative. They never brought on yeah, people like one hundred percent, yeah, like Aaron Matei who won an award for his reporting on Russia Gate. They never brought him on. I fucking brought him on. How come I know about him? How come they never brought on Bill Binney, who was the number one NSA codebreaker, to talk about the actual hack? How come they never brought on people from veterans, intelligence professionals for sanity who debunked WMDs in real time? Why did so? And they never brought me on or Kyle Kalinsky or anybody, yeah. Max Blumenthal. So the fact yeah. that they didn't want to counter because that's how science works science is peer-reviewed that's not how journalism works journalism is a fucking echo chamber and people who have a counter narrative are ostracized which is why people don't trust the news media which is why you and i have a career i guess we should be happy about it (laughs) i guess we should I, i think generally what happens is they pick sort of these representatives from the republicans and the democrats so in their mind there is the established democratic position and that's the position that, that they're going to represent. If there is a position left wing of that, oh, that's that's crazy. That's that's bad shit. We can't we can't represent that. But then they're also going to be, oh, well, we got to be fair. So we also got to represent the the Trump side. So they're only going to have either the the Republican side of of, of the argument or yes. the established Democrats uh, Democrat side of the argument. They're not going to have yes. an actual lefty that is challenging the system and uh, these investigations from the left. So that ultimately that's the problem here. But luckily, I mean. MSNBC in some ways and CNN, uh, I think in some ways as well, uh, is getting a little better on this. So MSNBC has been having on Justice Democrat representatives, surprisingly. Now, not all the shows are having them on, but I've seen uh, uh, Waleed Shaheed on on uh, Chris Hayes a number of times. Um, there's been, uh, I forget his name now, uh, something Trent, uh, Corbin oh, Trent. Corbin Trent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's great too. So he's been on there. So hopefully that's changing a little bit. But it's it. Damn, it, it is hard. I mean, it's hard to find people like that on television. And that's a problem. Yeah. Um, or, or or even Glenn Greenwald, who's a Pulitzer Prize winner, who was also yeah. a, a, a skeptic of Rush of Russia Gate. They didn't have him on. It's just, nope. a, you know, so you don't have to have me on. I'm just a nightclub jagoff comedian. But Glenn <laughs> Greenwald is an actual award winning Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Maybe you should yeah. have him on, especially since you had him on all the time before, <laughs> you know, yeah, 100%. So it just yeah. goes to show you like they weren't allowed to cover Bernie Sanders or you'll get fired. So Chris Hayes and yep. Rachel Maddow said, OK, I won't cover him. And because they wanted their job, just like uh, they have to go along with the war. Rachel Maddow just did a segment. Did you see the segment where she was feeling sorry for John Bolton? It's yeah. About Venezuela. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was that was insane. <laughs> insane. Like, I don't even yeah. know what the point was. She was even trying to no. make in that segment. Did you? 
She was trying to say, oh, John Bolton and Trump are saying different things in public. Look at that. Isn't it weird that, that Trump has the same pos uh, position that, that Putin does? And, but like, she's, she's so focused on like, appearances and not looking at the actual policy of, of what a, a coup in Venezuela would do. So yeah, Maddow over the past couple of years, it's so unfortunate because honestly, I mean, f four or five years ago, she did some great stuff. Uh, she was actually one of the first reporters to actually uh, uh, break the, the Flint story. But since Trump became president, she's kind of completely lost her mind. And it's been sad to see from someone that's, that did great reporting in the past. Well, it just goes to show you, right? Like they, it's like, oh my God, they always had this in them. I didn't know it. It's yep. like Trump. Who knew that Trump would be the undoing of so many people? It's like Trump's horribleness somehow shines a light and it reveals the cracks in their personality like nothing else. It's amazing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. okay. But even then, like, why isn't Maddow focused on the impact that Trump is having on real people's lives in the country, as opposed to focusing on on the RussiaGate uh, story? So that that's the part where. If you want to fight Trump, good. Like you should be fighting Trump. But why are you so focused on an investigation that isn't isn't even done yet? Like for two years, all just speculation about oh what might happen. How about focusing on actual stories that that are affecting real people's lives? That that's the part to me that just I don't understand. It's completely absurd. I, I, I yes, that's exactly. Hey, you know, if you want to fight Trump. The, the Democrats just helped him deregulate Wall Street again. Maybe you talk about that for a yeah. week. Hey, the Democrats are still fast-tracking as judges. Maybe you talk about that for a week, because that's yeah. going to have a long-term impact on our country, the judges that we have. So that's the kind of shit. The Democrats are literally helping, making sure that happens for Trump, right? Yeah. They get just yeah. enough Democrats to make sure we can fast-track as judges. Isn't it amazing? They get just enough. They get just enough <laughs> Joe Liebermans. Just enough. Anyway, uh, yeah. David, it's been great again. Thanks for uh, uh, being so generous with your time. Oh, yeah, and, it's been fun. And, um, you know, you're wrong about that voting thing. But other than that, we really <laughs> like you. <laughs> and no, well, honestly, you, you. you really do a great show. And um, oh, uh, everybody should check out your show. It's, very, it's a very tight show, and I watch it often. And, uh, yeah, and just I, go to the... Go to therationalnational.com and it gets you to the, uh, to the YouTube page or go to therationalnational.com slash join and that gets you to uh, the Patreon page. Now, and it, thanks again, Jamie, for, for now having Now, you're me. not looking to get it. Like, if, if MSNBC came to you, would you take a job? No. Uh, so <laughs> I worked in AM radio for uh, several weeks. Uh, and it's, uh, well, first of all, there's not a lot of money in AM radio. I learned that. Um, but even apart from that, I, I enjoy having full control over what I do on, on YouTube. You know that if you have a cable ne uh, a cable news show, you do not have control. At so all. right there, you're you're just giving away your soul for money, and I I can't do that. Yeah. Okay. That's the be that's the be it's like now that we can do this. It's like why would you ever want to have a yeah, exactly. corporate boss? It's like. You know, it's like I'm sure we don't make the money they make. I'm not making seven million dollars a year like Chris Hayes. <laughs> no. But at the same time, I get to cover Gaza whenever I want. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't exactly. have to I don't have to wave a flag and blow off a rocket because I'm going to talk about Yemen for two minutes. So I don't want anybody to fucking miss it. You know what I mean? It's like I get to. Yeah. So anyway. All right, everybody. Rational National David Dole. Thanks for being our friend and thanks for coming on the show. And we'll t I'll see you soon, hopefully. Hey, we maybe we'll come to Toronto soon and we could be our, be our, our panelists. We have the Humanist Report when we go to Portland. And so we maybe we'll awesome. do a gig up there. All right. Thanks again. We're going to take a break and thanks, we'll be Jimmy. right back back in a minute.